How does a child cultivate an understanding of humanity? How do they learn kindness, empathy, and respect for others? Every individual must learn what it means to be human. And early childhood is when this learning begins. What matters most for children is how we are with them. Regardless of your role in a child's life, you help them learn to trust, explore, develop, and learn. How you choose to be when you're around children, both your actions and your words, serve as a model for how to be in the world. Children are watching us. They are following their leaders. I'm Judy Jablon, founder and executive director of Leading for Children. At Leading for Children, we bring together all the adults who care for and educate young children to ensure children's success now and in the future. For children, every moment counts. Today, let's talk about commitment, what it means to us and why it matters that we model it for children. Let me introduce my colleagues joining me today. Hi, Judy, and hello to our audience out there. My name is Nicole Parks, and I am the Deputy Executive Director at Leading for Children. And hi, this is Jonathan Fribley, and I am Senior Program Leader at Leading for Children and also a parent and grandparent. Nicole and Jonathan, so are we ready to talk about what commitment means to each of us? Awesome. Jonathan, you want to start us off? Well, as I thought about this, a couple words came to mind for me. One was I kept coming back to the word North Star, the idea that a commitment is something that really orients me. It's a it's a purpose that matters enough to me to give me some guidance. And, and the other words were persistence and practice. And, and, and maybe practice would be the, the first word that, that a commitment brings me to, 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 to some kind of action that I am, uh, that it's not just something I say, but that it's something that I find ways to do. um, And that is powerful enough that it is not just mastered overnight. In fact, it may never be mastered, but that the persistence is, uh, is part of the practice. When I think about commitment, I think about my drive. Um, I see it as my energy source. It's the thing that is the reason that I get up um, and show up in the world. It is the thing that makes me show up when I don't feel like showing up. Mm-hmm. And I, I think most importantly, it's my why. So when I think about commitment, I think more about why I'm committing to something rather than the thing that I'm committed to, because the why behind it is what helps me to stay committed to it. Judy, curious to hear your thoughts. Well, I just feel so privileged <laughs> to be your partners. Um, Jonathan, I too, when I think about commitment, I think about purpose and persistence. And, you know, the other word that for me fits in there is tenacity that, you know, like, Even when it's tough, I'm going to hang in. Um, Nicole, when you brought up the idea of the why, uh, that connects to the other thing that was in my notes about intention. And that for me, I have to understand the why of something that I I just can't commit to something if if I don't feel the underlying purpose, the reason, and it has to align with what I believe in, what I'm, you know, 
where my dedication, my focus is. I think that um, that we did a, a really beautiful job of describing what it means to us and all of us, there's definite synergy or, you know, across our, our feelings about it. Let's try to explain examples of commitments we've made and, you know, why we made them and how we stuck to them, because that's really what children are watching. They're watching how we live our commitments. I can get us started. A recent example of a commitment that I've made is about two months ago now, I made a commitment to maintaining calm throughout the day. And the reason that I made that commitment was because I realized that there were many things around me that I could not control. And that when I leaned into them, versus staying focused on all the other commitments in my life, it would create sort of a chaos inside of me. And then as a result, I wasn't able to act with intention. Um, I was exhausted. It just didn't match with how I want to be in the world. And so in my conversation with my, my family, my immediate family in my home, I said one day, you know, in order for me to have the impact that I want to have, I have to maintain calm throughout the day. So that's my commitment. And the why of it is what keeps me doing it. So I intentionally set my alarm and I get up earlier than I need to, to ensure that I have time each day to set my intention for the day. And what that does is it helps me keep it before me. So if something comes up to bump against that, that could take me from that state of calmness, then I quickly remind myself, I am staying calm to have the impact that I want to have as a mother, as a wife, as a grandmother, as a citizen, and also as a member of this team showing up with partners and members in each other. And I think for me, that commitment has been able to take root and persist because of the why that's holding it up. Jonathan, I, I'm going to suggest that we hang out with Nicole's for a little bit because it's such a, a really important and beautiful one. Nicole, I, I think there's two things that I'd like to talk about or draw out in relation to your commitment. One is that as a member of your team, I feel it. So there's we, we talk sometimes about emotional contagion and, and kind of how we create a climate. And I think that one of the things about you that's so poignant and, and that I think all of us look to you for is your steadiness and your calmness. And, you know, when the going was tough for you, that wasn't there. And I definitely felt its absence. And knowing that, you know, you've committed to it, the, that you're starting earlier, all of those things not only impact the quality of, of how you show up each day for yourself and for others, but it, it affects me in a really positive way. One question that I have for you is, does, how does Gracie kind of recognize what you're doing and 
you know, what are the ripples to Gracie? I think that the way she recognizes it is she definitely feels the difference in the impact of it. So at night, before we say goodnight, she's the first one to say, mom, did you set your alarm? Because she recognizes that she is a benefactor of that calmness and she leans into that. And so she, she recognizes it, she notices it. And recently, not to the degree that I have, but she has adopted a similar practice for herself. And so one of the things that she does, I still wake Gracie up in the morning. She's 11. She's quite capable of getting herself up with an alarm. However, she really cherishes the time that we have in the morning when I'm waking her up. So it's a practice that we have. And so for the last maybe five weeks or so, she's been saying, mom, what time are you going to wake me up in the morning? Can you wake me up just a little bit earlier? And so she's starting to create that, even though she hasn't named it explicitly, I've been watching her. And so she's starting that practice of her own. And as a result, I noticed that she is definitely more even-tempered and um, more resilient in a sense throughout the day and able to really pivot without a lot of pre-time as a result of her giving herself that space during the, during the first start of the morning. Nicole, as I, as I listened to you, I was so struck with the idea of you making a commitment to being calm, that that was a purposeful practice for you. Because as someone who works closely with you and sees you with other people, I know my experience, and I would imagine others, is that that is just how it feels to be with you. And to have that coming not from, oh, something that you were just born into, like, oh, this is just my personality, but that this is something that you have acted to nurture in you just feels so powerful that that. It, it just highlights for me that that sense that we can change and grow towards who we hope to be through our commitments. So thank you for that um, inspiration, really. You're welcome, Jonathan. And thank you for that beautiful phrase. That's another Jonathanism. We can grow into who we hope to be. So I want to hold on to that. How about you, Jonathan? Do you want to share a commitment? Sure. Um, I'm going to share one. And and then as I sort of talk about how I do it, I I think I I want to get a little broader because I tend to slowly accumulate commitments uh, for for quite a while, actually. I keep a little to-do list, as, as many people do. And for quite a while, up at the top of my to-do list every day was the phrase self-awareness is a daily commitment. And I put it there and put it in that way um, because as as I sort of practiced that, um, I found it was, I find it's so powerful in um, me acting in the ways that I hope to be in working towards calm, 
in listening well, in noticing my emotions, uh, it, it, it ends up just trickling into so many areas of who I am. So it was a powerful practice. And then as far as, uh, as, far as one that is a daily commitment, um, I could have put like a, if there was such a word as a secondly commitment, you know, that it, it's, it's something that, that I keep returning to and I feel like I'm gaining proficiency in, but I also know that it will never be something that I just walk through. Like self-awareness is, you know, it's, it's, um, it's constantly something to revisit. Uh, as far as sort of how I get there, I, I said, I put it up at the top of my list every day for a long time. What I've come to do since um, in, in my more recent practice is that I actually set a commitment every morning and it might be about self-awareness. It might be about something else. I, I, I get up and, and I have a comfortable spot that I sort of move to as I start my day. And I, I sort of pause and, and think a bit to, to feel about what the commitment might be that is an appropriate focus for today. Some, I mean, if you sort of listen to your body, listen to your brain, listen to what all's going on. Sometimes um, I I have a, a, a commitment about um, a, about kindness that sometimes matters, and sometimes, frankly, that commitment is is um, important about being kind to myself. Um, but but you know the the there's more than one thing that matters to me as there are for all of us. And I don't hold myself to every day I have to do this, but every day I want to practice something that feels like it would help me um, orient myself the way I want to be that day. You know, at, at LFC, we have a practice that we call linking and weaving and Nicole and Jonathan, your stories there's so many aspects of your stories that I feel that my brain is wanting to link and weave. And one of them has to do with getting off autopilot and making decisions and that our days can be so much better when we don't just stay on autopilot. And the other thing that really was resonating for me is I think we live in a culture of busy you know, and and both of you referenced sort of the patterns and routines of the day and making the patterns and routines of the day have intention rather than just hectic. The number of people I talk to, I think all three of us talk to in our work, will describe that their week is crazy busy. So if we think back to the opening of our podcast today and of you know, children are watching us. And, and if we are crazy busy, then there's emotional contagion. You know, I talked about Nicole having an impact on me with her calm. And so if everybody's walking around saying, oh my God, I have so many things to do and I'm multitasking and I can't get through my to-do list and it's crazy busy and it's so chaotic. That's another one. So chaotic. And I think that what both of you described so beautifully is changing that behavior and being intentional to use Jonathan's word, having a North star 
Nicole's sort of drive and energy source to, to have better days for yourself. And that the implications of that are that we're then creating a better world for children. My commitment, it fits into the category of self-awareness and it has an attribute of calm. And both of you know me really, really well and have known me for a long time. And, you know, even though I can talk about the difference between reacting and responding, my temperament is a reactive temperament. My temperament is a think out loud temperament. You know, I'm more impulsive than I am pensive. I'm more, you know, blurt rather than wait. And as a result, I create an internal volatility that it doesn't serve me at all. And so I have to work hard and commit to sort of behaving differently than my temperament. You know, like my wiring is one way and I have to commit to not re not behaving according to my wiring. <laughs> and I think that every single morning when I do my stretches, which is something I commit to for my wellness is say to myself, I am going to respond today. I'm going to practice pausing. No, I don't do a great job every day, but I think <laughs> if, if you were going to score me, I think you would definitely give me a better score than a year ago or two years ago, but it takes a lot of effort because I'm working against my nature but my nature doesn't serve me. And so that's the reason I brought up this particular commitment because I value self-regulation. I value executive function. It's not intrinsic to my sort of essence. Yeah, as I, I listen to you, Judy, I think about when I first met you in all of the observations that I did of did of you and to hear you talk about your commitment and then also think about the way that I experienced you before getting to know you and some of the very behaviors that you are committing to doing and you work hard to do would describe the way that I experienced you right so I, I would use the term often that you know, Judy, she, she, she stretches me. So you, you always would pause and invite us to think the way that you, with great intent, uh, I later learned, would stop and make sure that you connected to each person. So I just think about the ways in which I experienced you. And then to hear that it's, it's a practice, I think is what's really resonating for me. And it takes, me back to this idea of intent that we really do get to decide how we show up. Judy, I wonder if I might highlight something you said, and I wonder if it opens a door for um, for us to inquire a little further. You, if I heard right, you said something about committing to not behaving according to my wiring. And when I heard that, I, 
you know, we're all early childhood people here, right? I thought back to young children and the wiring that they're doing. And, you know, here we are, none of us are four anymore. And so we're wired up. But, but I wondered if a way of understanding your experience is that you are um, maybe doing some rewiring, um, laying down some new neural pathways or putting some more, you know, myelinization on, on some others. And, and I, I raise that because like when I hear committing to not behaving according to my wiring, that sounds really hard. And, and, and I want to acknowledge that there is a challenge with this, but I wonder if it might be fruitful for us to think about some of the ways that we step into this and, and sort of make it happen so that we can feel like we are growing towards where we hope to be. I think that it's a brilliant question. You know, I think we all three know from our child development knowledge that, you know, you're born with your temperament and part of maturity and just development is managing your temperament. So when I think about what Nicole was saying and who she saw, she's, she's describing me. I, I learned young how to, how to be mature, you know, how to have the right responses in the right situations. But all three of us know that when the tough, when, it, when the going gets tough, the tough fall <laughs> and that, you know, when stress is higher or your buttons get pushed, that's when you kind of go back to what is it, the reptile brain? You know, you go back to not being able to exercise that self control, that, that capacity that four year olds develop of being able to manage their emotions. And so I think that what I'm committed to do more recently is to notice when those triggers happen and what are the triggers that cause me to go back to the more reactive temperament, the more, I guess, reptile brain, the fight or flight. And I think that's where you brought it up, self-awareness. And you know, I'll conveniently bring in the five commitments right now at LFC, developing the five commitments of optimistic leaders, writing about them, and then practicing them with so much intention as a team, and then working on them with our partners has really helped me to analyze what are the things that cause me to go back to the natural wiring and how do I manage to not fall into that? I think the the word that I want to highlight in, in what you said is practice. And so the, the idea isn't that any of us will from this moment on get it perfect every time. It comes back to that commitment. It is the commitment to practice whatever the commitment is that we've made. And so in your in your instance, it is to notice the things that makes it 
more challenging for you to, you know, to not blurt or to have be more responsive in my example um, and in my life, it is being able to hold on to calm when the things around me makes that challenging. And in Jonathan's example, it's that self-awareness, but it's that we each get up each day and we practice. So we're committed to the practice and not perfection. And I think that's an important piece in what you shared. Thanks for that, Nicole. Um, Let's linger a little with the five commitments. So for those of you that are unfamiliar with LFC's five commitments of optimistic leaders, we developed this framework to support us as the adults and children's lives to practice intentionality. And the first commitment is think impact. You know, how, what do I want to have happen? How do I want to show up in this moment? And the second commitment, Jonathan talked a fair amount about cultivate self-awareness. You know, what do I know about myself? Um, what do I know about the things that are part of my identity? How do I relate with another person? How am I in a group? The third commitment is nurture relationships. And I always say we're good at nurturing relationships with people that are like us and that we like. And this commitment is really about recognizing that we have a commitment to nurture relationships with everybody because we're humans and kindness and respect and dignity and empathy is what we need to live and practice and model for children. And so the relationships we have with all people, it doesn't mean everyone is our friend. It means that we work at having open, honest, trusting two-way relationships with the people that are in our sphere, that we are respectful of people that we bump into in the community and in the neighborhood and that we model kindness and care. And the fourth commitment for me is one that comes up a lot in what I talked about earlier is refined communication. It's learning how to be quiet when my tendency might be to talk, learning how to listen, um, learning how to listen even when what I'm hearing isn't appealing to me. Uh, And the final commitment we all of us love, it's activate curiosity. And we talk about, you know, translating um, our worries into wonder, uh, reframing to learn more about something. So those are our five commitments. And I'm going to invite Nicole and Jonathan to talk about how the commitments have made a difference in your life, or perhaps share something that has come up with our learning network members. I think for me, the the one of the greatest gifts of the commitments for me has been they really are both a grounding and a guiding tool for me. And so especially when the going gets tough or when there's so much happening outside of my sphere of control as a person who very much likes control, they ground me and they serve as a reminder that even when it feels like you're out of control, there is one thing that you can always control and that is yourself and how you choose to show up. And so for me, the commitments keep me grounded in that. And then they guide me in my actions and my decisions. And so really one example I, I shared is being in a meeting with 
with my daughter's school where really I, I walked in there with so much self-righteousness and so much mama bear <laughs> determined to make sure that my daughter has what she deserves. And I quickly, when I stepped into that room and, and looked around and immediately I said to myself, what do you want to have happen? And I went, I want to walk out of here with the wind for Gracie. And so immediately I realized you'd better get over yourself really fast and you better let go of that self-righteousness and really walk into this space and nurture this relationship. Um, step into this place with curiosity instead of rightness. Step into this place as part of refining communication, not so much about the words I would use, really stepping into this place with a willingness to hear their perspective and understand. And as a result, we all walked out of their team, Gracie. We all walked out there with Gracie having a win. And so when I think about how the commitments serve me and how they've supported me, they really do ground and guide me. And I, I realize the more I practice them, the more heavily I lean on them. Mm. I think I'd like to share um, some words from someone I was in conversation with in a group last night where uh, she was reflecting on the five commitments, actually, and we've been talking about thinking about them together for a while. And what she shared was she said, we can empower ourselves to act intentionally, even in a hard day. We have good tools now. From now on, I don't think I can say not today. I say yes today. Mm. And I, I think um, the, for me, I mean, there's so much there that feels so rich, but, but what I'd really like to highlight is just the, the, the sense of hopefulness that comes from that feeling that I have um, some power to make a difference the way I hope to. And uh, so it's, it's um, yeah, it's empowering. Beautiful. So we started off thinking about, you know, the definition for us of commitment, what it means to us. And we talked about North Star and persistence and purpose, understanding our why, our reason, kind of the reason behind. And, and it led us into a pretty rich discussion about intention. And as we shared our commitments, we talked about decisions we've made to be in the world in the way that we want to, knowing that we're affecting the people around us, the, the big people around us and the little people around us. And then we talked about the commitments and about how for us, the commitments and for our Learning Network members have become tools and guides, as you said, Nicole, to ground us. And Jonathan, as you said, to empower us to make sure that the days are the way we want the days to be and not to have the days do to us what we don't want to have happen. So one thing that we should talk about before we before we leave our audience is that we also falter on our commitments and that staying true to commitments 
ain't no easy task. So let's push ourselves to think about, you know, how we remotivate ourselves when we fall down on a commitment that we've made to ourselves. I'd first like to take just a moment to name a few things that I do to help me stay true, because I think it's important to just acknowledge that this isn't, at least for me, that I, this is not something I can just do like with, with willpower, that there's some intention behind trying to keep the commitment. And, I, and I'll just mention those briefly and then then go to what you asked, Judy. But I want to just acknowledge that you know I write down a commitment every day. I found that it's powerful to imagine what that commitment looks like in moments that matter. And this may be TMI, but that's something I do in the shower now as I think about that commitment and think about where's that going to make a difference today? What would that look like? So, you know, actually envisioning it. Um, I find memorable language for it. Um, there's, there's a lot of phrases. There's wisdom that comes out of other people's mouths. There's poetry. There's little stories. Um, so those all help me hold on to it. But when I falter, a, a few things that really mattered to me. The first is to give myself some grace on that, that 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 the practice is like is not just about getting it right. The practice is is faltering and then beginning again. So I try to do that actually. I actually try to laugh at myself a little bit when I like, oh, there I go, and give myself that space to come back and return to it. Um, I've also found that oftentimes when I falter, I'm not only doing it on my own, I'm doing it with somebody. I have a commitment to listen well, and then I don't. And I found that it's really powerful to tell that person that, that here's, here's what I did and it's not what I'd hoped to do. And I, uh, I, I'm committed to trying to do it differently next time. And would, would you accept that as, a, as, as an apology and work with me to help me do it next time? That, that having it be something that I share with somebody openly in hope rather than keeping it inside with a sense of shame is really powerful to getting up and, 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 and doing it again. So um, I think along with that, then really seeing, like when I, seeing a commitment as opportunities rather than tasks, oh, I didn't do it. Good thing I've got another opportunity coming up right now, <laughs> you know, or tomorrow or, or whatever that might be. And, and then I think the final thing I'd offer is that, that um, we may falter, but we're not faltering all the time, and to notice those small moments and to hold on to those small moments uh, and, and not just the moments where it's like, oh my gosh, can I, yep, there I go again. But there was that other thing I did and, and, and notice that, remember it. Yeah, thank you for that, Jonathan. In very much a line, I have learned that the best gift I can give myself when I falter, not if, but when, is self-grace and kindness. And so a thing that I started to tell myself is it is hard to get up when you're kicking yourself. 
because your legs are too busy. And so what I realized is that when I falter in order for me to continue, and, and that's the other thing is I, I reframed it for myself from starting over to continuing. So if I want to continue with my commitment, I have to be kind to myself. I have to give myself grace and recognize my humanity so that I can get back up again and continue with the practice, continue with the commitment. And then the other thing that I do is I really do activate curiosity. You know, so if it's a day where I didn't maintain calm, then I stop and I ask myself, hmm, what happened there? And without judgment, like just a real factual curiosity, what happened there? You know, and once I can realize what happened, okay, how might I make it like less likely to happen in the future? And I think that's the last thing is I never commit to it not happening again. So I am always asking myself, okay, what might I do next time this happens? Or how can I make it less likely to happen? So I give myself the grace of knowing that as a human, I will have some fails here. And what what will I do when that happens? So I feel very blessed to have heard the wisdom from both of you. I don't I don't have any tips to share that are that haven't been said. I did write them down so we could play them back. I I recently faltered on my stretching commitment and I definitely felt shame and I didn't give myself kindness and yesterday I pushed myself to actually feel like I was starting over and I love Nicole the idea of continuing so I yesterday continued and today I continued and I think that Jonathan you offered us kindness and grace Nicole you reiterated it um Jonathan you talked about sharing to let go of the shame and that of course, we're going to falter and that we're not always faltering. Nicole, I think you offered us, it's really hard to get up when your legs are busy kicking yourself. I think that's one of those quotable quotes that we'll all hold on to. And I think asking ourselves, you know, like why? And using curiosity without judgment is those are such powerful tools for us all to carry with us to um, ensure that the commitments we make, that we value them and that we cherish them. And that when we falter, it doesn't mean we're bad people. It means we're humans. And how great that the two of you were able to offer so much wisdom to keep us keeping on. Uh, before we close, I would just like to sort of give us a moment to think about the word commitment and to our fundamental vision, which is that how we are as adults makes a difference to who children become and their ability to, or their capacity to see us as agents of intention, that we do what 
feels right to us and that's who children are surrounded by. Would either of you want to um, comment on that, share a story about, you know, your kids or your grandkids in terms of the ripples of commitment? For me, I just think about the empowerment piece of it. So in the context of even my identity as a woman of color, you know, as a woman who grew up in poverty, all of the different statistics that society tell, tells me or told me that were my future potentially. And so for me, it's it was very important that my children, especially my daughters and now my granddaughters, that they see that nobody gets to decide your future but you. And so one of the gifts of practicing intention is being able to say, I am not powerless. I have power and I have agency and I get to decide how I show up in the world and I get to decide what I'm going to be in the world. And so I think about the small steps that gets me there. So it's as simple as getting up 15, 30 minutes earlier in the morning, or maybe it is the practice of saying, I'm going to sit outside in the sun for five or 10 minutes to feel the sun on my face so that I can retap into my passion or my purpose, or it's saying, you know, I'm tired and I'm going to bed early, or it's saying to someone, don't speak to me like that because I don't speak to you in that way. And I think about the idea that children learn what they live. And so as I look at Gracie and her big, bold, audacious personality, um, for me, I just smile and I go, yeah, there you go. You decide your future and you decide who you're going to be. And I think the commitments, I would say, have been very instrumental in that for me and for her without her even realizing it. Thanks, Nicole. That was so beautiful. Jonathan? Yeah, that was beautiful. Thank you, Nicole. Um, I think I'd just share a, a small moment that um, has become kind of a ongoing moment in, in my um, uh, life with one of my granddaughters, actually. Um, I mentioned earlier that one of the ways I sort of hold on to my commitments is to find some memorable language. And one of my commitments is around kindness. And there's a poem that has the line in it um, that there are but four rules of life. Be kind, be kind, be kind, be kind. And I had written those into my little journal with intentions and my um, nine-year-old granddaughter, who's an avid reader, decided she needed to be reading that. And so we talked about that. And um, she, we sort of thought about that rule together. And, uh, and I explained why I'd written it down, that that's um, something that is important to me, and that it's something that I need to practice, because it doesn't always happen, that that's just what comes out of me. Like, Judy, you were saying, you know, that about that wiring, that's not always where I go. And just that conversation felt powerful. But what was just so moving for me was that later 
this has happened several times where there's been something going on sometimes between us or sometimes in some other way when she's come back around to that and said, remember grandpa, four rules. And, (laughs) and, and and that um, awareness of who we hope to be and that intention about trying to grow into being that person. um, That is not something that, I had at that age, and I'm kind of amazed to see her understanding that about herself, that that she can, and this is a child with some executive function challenges, actually, but um, that she can think about who she wants to be and, and try to be that person and ask of that of others, too. So um, this has this made a difference in, uh, in parts of my life that matter most to me. I think your stories are so the embodiment of what we believe at Leading for Children, that if we model agency, children develop agency, and there's nothing more important than knowing you can make things happen and that you can decide on your future. So our conversation today about commitment, intention, being models for children, is so, so powerful. And we invite everyone who's listening to this to just give yourself a moment to think about what's important to you. What is it that you're committing to and how are you modeling it for the children around you? Thank you both so much for this conversation and thank you all who are listening. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks all. If you would like to learn more about Leading for Children, please visit www.leadingforchildren.org. Reach out to info at leadingforchildren.org. We'd love to hear from you and please join us in our next conversation in July.